Drop your shorts and bend over, Mr. Babar. Oh, no, really, uh, we, we don't need to. I've, uh, we don't want to do that. Say, you know, my kidneys feel a lot better in this position. Maybe it's just that I'm not doing any calisthenics. You know, if I did some sit-ups in the morning or bent over like this, I'd probably feel 100% Moon River. Whew. Thank you, Doc. You ever serve time? Breathe easy. Breathe easy. You know, I was surprised that Alan was able to get that uh, policy. I know there's a history of cancer in the family. There is? Yeah. As a matter of fact, ah, uh, you using the whole fist, Doc? Just relax. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're two idiots that talk about movies and get oh. drunk. Now... Tonight, we are continuing Nut Job November with more of just an asshole in this one because he's not so much a nut as he is incredibly difficult to work with, apparently. And yeah, yeah. He was definitely the one that maybe didn't quite fit the theme, but like he didn't right, have a mental breakdown or anything. Right. He's just an, he's just an asshole. And... It's of course a, ca- a, a funny one, but he's a very funny one. Okay, he's the legendary Chevy Chase. Is what we're gonna be talking about. And before we even get in, because we're gonna talk about Fletch and Vegas vacation, but before we get into all that, we gotta talk about what we're drinking. So, Mike, what you got? All right. So this kind of goes with Fletch, even though I didn't plan this. This was the uh, cider I picked up a couple weeks ago and left at my friend's house. <laughs> nice, nice. So I went with Beach B cider, which Fletch he's on the uh, he's investigating drugs on the beach <laughs> yep yep and um it's their pineapple cinnamon cider uh beach b is long branch new jersey it's actually a meadery that also makes ciders nice nice. so i've had their mead before this is the first time i'm trying their cider okay and all right so that's a solid pineapple cider um not too sweet the cinnamon's not overbearing or anything um, it kind of reminds me of if you ever went to like a Brazilian steakhouse and they have like the grilled pineapple with cinnamon. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of, and that's a good flavor to remind me of. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, that is pretty good. That's that's always funny. Like when there's they come around with like the big things of meat and whatnot. And then the guy comes around with like the pineapple, and you're like, yeah. what? What are you doing here? Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> yeah, the grilled pineapple is great. It is. It's just very unusual in a sea of um, rotating meats. <laughs> But all right, so yeah, mine is also a leftover because I also did not have a chance to go um, beer shopping. Even though, ironically enough, I was at a brewery last night, but we didn't we didn't go home after the brewery, so we went to a different bar. So I wasn't able to get something for a forgotten boardwalk. But I did. I do have my other um, flying fish from my beer of the month club, and it's Salt and Sea, which I have. I think I've done before, but it's got like a little carnival, you know, kind of like Coney Island kind of look to it on the cane art. And it's a uh, session sour ale brewed with strawberry and lime, 4.3%. It's very good. It does not have that like face peeling sourness to it. It's just very good. And um, it's more of, if anything, like a fruit beer, but it's definitely, you can definitely see how it's a sour, but it's not like full on fuck you sour kind of thing, yeah. but um, it's good stuff. So, we might as well get into it. All right, so Chevy Chase, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about Chevy Chase. Golden age of SNL. The beginning of SNL. He was the very first season, and then he went on to bigger and better things. And 
if you let if you listen to him, he says that everything after him is downhill, which not entirely accurate, but after I would say after his movie career started going downhill, that's when SNL went downhill, you know, like the mid nineties is about when SNL went downhill, but it's, it's funny because the reason why we even really considered him with this is because he's notoriously difficult to work with after a certain point, apparently. Yeah. Like he's, he starts off fine. And then he gets impossible. <laughs> and it's it's weird because he always does it. <laughs> and it, it's interesting. So, like, he voiced himself on an episode of Family Guy. Yep. It was him less, and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. It was, like, the Spies Like Us episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to say it was, like, less than 10 years ago. Though I'm not sure. Family Guy's been releasing a ton of stuff. It was It was more than 10 years ago. I think it was in, like, season eight or nine or something like that. Really? Yeah, it was a that while ago. That just goes to show how out of touch I am with Family Guy. Well, but, yeah, um, I mean, I think most people are out of touch with Family Guy. I just, what I know of it is, I mean, I've I've seen the new ones, but I don't remember any of them. <laughs> but with that, I, like, I wonder how he is for, like, a voice acting thing, for, like, a one TV episode kind of deal. Well, if he's, if he's anything like he usually is, and Seth MacFarlane is like a gigantic fan of his. If he was sucking Chevy's dick, Chevy would have been fine because yeah. that's how you have to work with Chevy. You have to treat him like he's God. And in it's okay. The episode's from 2009 and it's spies reminiscent of us. So I think that's like season 10 or something like that. Yeah. Season eight actually. But if, and it, it's so funny because I was just reading this article. I think it was in the Washington post or whatever, Washington uh, something or other. It was an article about, it was an interview with Chevy Chase or like a little piece on him. And the article itself was one of the better um, like person interview, like bio pick, like slice of life kind of interviews. A lot of those interviews can be like just straight up sucking the person's dick. Like this is the greatest person ever. All the shit that's said about them is wrong. This person's the greatest person I've ever met. They opened their home to me and they save my dog from having cancer like they just say a lot of dumb shit because apparently this person's a grace because obviously it's a celebrity that's in their house they're getting an interview they can't talk shit about him or else they'll get sued kind of thing but this one was more along the lines of like yes this guy is pretty nice to me right now but like He's also seems like a little bit conflicted. Like I could see why he's an asshole, but like, I can also see why he's not, you know, they kind of do like ride the fence, but most of the reputation of Chevy Chase comes from two different sources. One of which was this book about like the untold story of SNL that came out in like 2002, which basically every human being on the planet that ever worked at SNL was basically like Chevy Chase is the worst human being to work with ever. And people flat out called him an asshole. Like Will Farrell was like, he's just a complete dick, you know, all that kind of shit. And then of course, firing back, Chevy was like, well, in an interview he was asked like well when was what do you think of the current Saturday Night Live and he's like it's the fucking worst thing I've ever seen um Will Ferrell makes 25 million dollars a movie for what he's not funny like he just says all kind like he talks shit and it's basically in response to people calling him an asshole so it's like it's kind of like the Corey Feldman situation where like you know he's probably a nice guy 
but he can't stop shooting himself in the dick. You know? yeah. And it's like, it's like, Jesus Christ, man. But then there's the infamous incident that happened with him and Bill Murray backstage at SNL when he got in a fist fight with him. <laughs> like it's a documented thing that happened. Like, and the two filming Caddyshack hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. And they couldn't. Why didn't we decide to talk about Caddyshack? Well, that's the thing. Caddyshack isn't really a Chevy Chase movie. Yeah. He's in it, but he's not the main star. And yeah, Fletch, yeah. I would argue, might be a better actual movie. Caddyshack is funnier. But Fletch oh, is... A, I really enjoyed Fletch. Well, Fletch it. is great. But I would say of the two, Caddyshack is funnier. But it is not really because of Chevy Chase. Yeah, we get Rodney like, Dangerfield, Bill Murray. Right. But the filming, the scene that those two have together in uh, Caddyshack was basically done at gunpoint. They basically said, like, the studio is demanding you to have a scene together you will do it or you don't get paid you know that kind of thing and they were like okay so that entire thing is basically um ad-libbed and improv but you can tell like when you're looking at it, it just makes no sense there's no reason for this scene to be in this movie other than the two that had these two to have a scene together you know it doesn't need to be here yeah <laughs> you can tell that they really do kind of they don't want to be filming the scene that they're filming and it's it's really like you can see two actors like being held hostage, basically. <laughs> but then you look at him in the vacation movies and Vegas vacation, in particular, when we get to it, was rewritten basically to be the Chevy Chase show. Yeah. And John yeah, Hughes, and you can clearly tell that because you're not getting any you're not getting much from anyone else. No, and John Hughes, who wrote the other three, and is also there's also the reason why there's the National Lampoon banner before all the other three, purposely was like, fuck this shit. You are not making this the Chevy Chase show. I hate this shit. I'm pulling out of this. Yes, I am legendary. There's much good Randy Quaid in it. No, well, that's the, the ironic thing is he's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. But it's like when John Hughes was like, there's no goddamn way I'm working with this guy. And apparently John Hughes is one of the nicest dudes in Hollywood. When he says you're an asshole, you're an asshole. You know, it's like you're just and when National Lampoon, who if I were to Google search right now, their movies that they've attached the National Lampoon banner to Vegas Vacation would be high on the list of good movies compared to those. And even they were like, no, we're not putting our name on that shit. You know? yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. got to be that. That's, um, <laughs> National Lampoon's had some bad ones in the 2000s. Terrible movies. Terrible movies. Like but Van for them, Wilder was fine. And everything else right. that came out in the 2000s was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, like the 19 different Van Wilders. I think they didn't. I don't know. It was like American Pie had like their own little series that kind of yeah. ran for a while. But I mean, but for National Lampoon to be like, hey, Chevy Chase is a dick. We're not putting our name to this. Maybe something's wrong with the man himself. You know, it's not everyone else. If everyone else is always apparently the problem, according to this guy, usually the opposite is true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's but with the thing is, he's so goddamn funny that's <laughs> so to do a sports analogy he reminds me a bit of aaron Rodgers, where it's like oh he's talented very talented but there's a reason no one is particularly fond of him right exactly exactly and 
even and like Aaron Rodgers, when he's on drugs, <laughs> he's better. <laughs> but like you know, Aaron Rodgers doing his what like ayahuasca or LSD or whatever, he's like playing yeah, some of the best games of his life. <laughs> yeah. But like, like, well, let's get into it. So it's like cat with his career, Chevy Chase went with Fletch, which was 1985 which is post Saturday Night Live, post Caddyshack, and post Vacation. But it's just before Three Amigos, Spies Like Us, and the Vacation sequels. Now, Fletch, obviously there's also Fletch Lives, which the less said about that, the better. But, and I th- I don't think he has anything to do with the new one, with the John Hamm one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't think he's in that at all. Bit. I didn't see his name attached to anything. Yeah, I don't even think he's a cameo in that, but... Fletch is, it's so funny because it's almost perfect peak Chevy Chase. It's amazing because he's not like, he's not like slapstick Chevy Chase, really. He's very much sarcastic asshole Chevy Chase. Which is, it works so well. It's the best form of Chevy Chase, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, which is crazy because that's also the reason why people hate him. You know, it's because he pretty much is just like that apparently, but. Again, depending on who you ask, even him aside, he can apparently be the nicest dude in the world. You ask Dan Aykroyd about him, he'll say he's the nicest dude in the world. He's the greatest guy ever. How are so many other people getting this different opinion of him, though? (laughs) Dan Aykroyd almost seems like a more toned down. Like, a lot of people don't think Dan Aykroyd is particularly nice. I don't believe I don't believe he has that reputation, like as a out in the world celebrity. But apparently, like if if you work with him, he's fine. Like he's yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's good he to work with. It, he can be. He's not that nice to fans. Right. He's apparently good to work with, though. Unlike, well, the the last guy we'll be talking about next week. There's a whole other different set of issues with that guy. But it's we it may be bringing up South Park a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of shit with him. Family Guy comes up again. There's all kinds of shit that comes up with him, but. With Chevy Chase, he's he was such a gigantic star at this point, comedy-wise. Like when you look at Chevy, and it's it's the whole it's the, literally his line from he started Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. So his line of I'm Chevy Chase and you're not is pretty much his like personal mantra up to this point. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not, M- meaning you're less than me, kind of thing. And also, like, just imagine, like, does is that his real name, Chevy Chase? Like, that's his. His, his um, name? Uh, I believe it is. Yes. Because that and is an awesome name for a comedic actor. Like, let's uh, be real here. <laughs> the um, the town in Maryland is also Cornelius Crane Chase. So Chevy was his nickname. Um, but the town an in- awesome name. <laughs> Yeah, it's still an awesome name. But the town in Maryland is, I think, named after him. <laughs> but there is a Chevy Chase, Maryland, which, sure, it's great. Yeah. But in Fletch, like, you're looking at him. The, the funny part is, in Caddyshack, he's supposed to be an arrogant prick. Like, Ty Webb is supposed to be an arrogant prick, and it works great. In On Saturday Night Live, he was an arrogant prick on Weekend Update, because that was the character, but also kind of him. And then his like other characters were like Pratt Falls and he played Gerald Ford. That's just like this bumbling idiot who would fall off the stage and all that. His best skit ever though, 
is done with Richard Pryor, and it's the word association skit. If you ever just Google word association skit SNL, it'll be Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor. If you're a Gen Zer, you will be offended. You will want to cry on the internet because it is the most racist thing you'll ever see. But it is absolutely flat out one of the funniest things you'll ever see, too. And it's because of the back and forth between Chase and Pryor. And it's Chevy Chase interviewing Richard Pryor for a job. And the word association gradually veers into more and more racist shit. <laughs> and it is one of the funniest things that's ever been put out. And the best part is, you look at that and you go, Pryor was absolutely game for that. And it's that's what makes it so good. But you couldn't have anybody else on the other side of the table for Pryor other than Chevy Chase. <laughs> he's the one that really does sell that half of the skit. Yeah. And it's because he's an asshole. <laughs> and he's got that look on his face that you just want to punch. <laughs> what? So that's also why Fletch works so well. Is like he is constantly put into situations where he acts how he acts. And consequences are immediate. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And but with with Fletch, one of the okay for a two. There's two people in Fletch that I completely forgot were in Fletch. One was Gina Davis. The other was Uncle Phil. Yeah, yeah <laughs> completely forgot. They were... As soon as I saw Uncle Phil, I was like, "What?" I completely forgot James Avery and Gina Davis were in this movie. I was like, "Holy shit!" But. Some of the stuff that when that Chevy comes up with, especially the names that he comes up yes. with for people, <laughs> when he sees all the different doctors named Rosen something, and it's Dr. Rosen Penis, Dr. Rosen Rosen, Dr. Rosen Rosen Rosen. <laughs> you can tell that that's just Chevy coming up with shit, and it works every time. It's always hilarious. And then it's the, almost like the whole, every time he has to like fake a persona i think of uh kaiser sose when he's doing putting his story together he's just like right. on the wall exactly exactly and then there's uh then there's of course the the famous john cocktoastin which uh, which is so great because <laughs> right after that they go they go cocktoastin he's like yeah it's scotch romanian <laughs> i was like wow that would be a very interesting heritage to have <laughs> Like it just had me thinking. I was like, "Wow, that would be nice." <laughs> Imagine those uh, family dinners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I think so. I found it particularly funny when he was it gets arrested and brought into in front of the uh, the With sheriff. Joe Don Baker. Yeah. And he's just like mouthing off, whatever. And then the sheriff finally like throws him in a cell. He's like. How about I put a bullet in your head? I'll stab myself in the arm with this pocket knife and plant it on you and call it self-defense. We don't do it much anymore, but back in the day, and Chevy immediately goes like, oh shit, you're serious. Right. And it's it's funny because it's everything you don't expect from Chevy Chase. You expect yeah. him to be like the wisest, but in that case, you can definitely tell that he's a scared man who knows he's gonna die if he if he says the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's what makes it that's what makes this performance great because he's actually like a real person in this and whereas clark griswold is a maniac <laughs> and just like the craziest dad ever fletch is is like a person and it's it's really strange because you're not used to chevy chase playing a person you know <laughs> you're used to playing him playing a character like an asshole <laughs> and you get so many good like asshole-ish one-liners like when he has to go to the doctor he's like you're using the whole fist doc 
Moon River. <laughs> You're the whole first talk? Yeah. I also, when he knocks on the door and Gail's in the doorway, he's like, can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water bottle. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's so funny, like, watching this, because uh, Karen and I have been watching Seinfeld. Like, we just put it on, on Netflix or whatever. And one of Jerry's girlfriends is that that actress. Um, she's the one where... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode. They go out to dinner with George and um, uh, Calista Miller. Or Car- yeah, I, I can't remember her damn name. She was on Scrubs. She was Jordan on Scrubs. Okay. But um, they go out to dinner, and Jerry's girlfriend is this actress, and she's eating, like, pecan pie or whatever, and she's picking the pecans out and putting them off to the side. And Jerry just picks them up and is, like, eating them again, so he gets all disgusted, and he can't use any, like, doesn't want to kiss her. He thinks it's weird and all that. But so when I turned on Fletch, I was like, oh, I literally just saw this episode. Now here she is. <laughs> mid mid 80s to late uh mid 80s to early 90s actress fame. But um yeah, it's <laughs> and then of course there's the um what it's it's my it's one of my favorite lines simply because it doesn't really make any sense. And it's I'll have a bloody mary, a steak sandwich, and a steak sandwich. It's like, yeah. wait, <laughs> why two steak sandwiches? And why did you say it that way? <laughs> and of course, we're all putting everything on the underhill tab, but um, right, I, that's why he says it that way because he's like, well, I can treat myself to two. It's on his tab, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's, uh, I also love in the scene where he's where the sheriff has him at gunpoint. He's like, well, now I'm no lawyer, but I do believe that's a violation of my rights. <laughs> right. <laughs> the actress's name that plays Gail is Dana Wheeler Nicholson is uh, what it is. And um, yeah, it's... Any relation to Jack? Uh, it's a hyphened Nicholson. So I'm guessing it was a married thing, but um, she's not married to Jack Nicholson. So I don't know. But um, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's so, and it's uh, Krista Miller is who mm-hmm. I'm thinking of from Jordan from Scrubs. Calista Flockhart was the other name in my mind. I don't know why, but it's, this movie is so damn funny. And, but then there's the weird, like the soundtrack of it, which is a great soundtrack. It's an awesome, like 80 soundtrack, but it feels like it's like pulled straight from Beverly Hills Cop. Like yeah. the non Axel Rose, like that, not Axel Rose, Axel Foley, the non Axel Foley theme. Everything else in Beverly Hills Cop seems like it's this soundtrack. <laughs> and then I also love Chevy Chase just randomly breaking out into song occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which makes the Moon River scene even funnier. Yeah, but, but I, this like even the story's pretty solid in this movie. It's a great story. Like it's weird because it's all based off of a book, mm-hmm. and it weirdly enough made me want to kind of read the book. I was like, I want to see what this is really like because apparently there are some differences. But I was like, oh, I, this is a decent little pot boiler of a story you know a little mystery yeah, i enjoyed this story like a little I crime feel mystery. Like it's something that would have been on columbo at some point <laughs> yeah right at some point yeah and it, or it's like it's like an episode of baywatch basically because he's yeah. like a he's a beach cop you know or his boy's well, not cop he's an investigative journalist but it's definitely something that you seem like would have come out of like an episode of baywatch but but like if, for this to be right in the middle of his movie career and for it to be the biggest like his biggest success personally, like the vehicle, like starring vehicle wise at this point, like his vacation was big. Yeah. But Fletch was arguably funnier. And this was more of a critical success, like just yeah. in general, like 
playing a character, not just like a caricature like Clark Griswold. Yeah, okay, Clark Griswold is, I mean, we got into him in our Christmas vacation episode, but, uh, and we'll get into him in a second. So before we do that, Mike, why don't we do another beer check-in and see how uh, things are going? So I'm about done my, I just finished up my first beach bee pineapple cider. Again, reminds me of uh, grilled pineapples at a steakhouse. So that's a solid, solid taste for a cider. Um, I'm, my guess is I'm only going to get through two of these, which means we're going to get some snake bites in future episodes with these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, like beach bee was right around uh if for people who've been listening for a while, I used to live in Long Branch for about for a few years, and uh, Beach Bee was right around the corner from my apartment there, and I never went to it. <laughs> of course, and my uh, Salt and Sea by Flying Fish in Somerdale is um, still very good. Cracked up my second one, probably the second one I have to. But all right, so now we're on to the the garbage. <laughs> of the of the Chevy Chase career, which he nothing but trouble was probably the worst movie, but that wasn't really on him. Yeah, Vegas Vacation, though. Ah, uh, I mean, this movie is simply there. There are funny moments in this movie. Not many of them involve Chevy Chase. <laughs> he yet, has some lines that are solid. Like like the first one right off the bat, you kids are growing up so fast yeah. I hardly recognize you anymore. That one's the best one because yes. if if anyone doesn't know, this is the fourth vacation movie and the fourth set of Griswold kids. <laughs> they are the fourth set of actors, which is Ethan Embry and um uh unknown actress who did other things, I'm sure. But it's not Johnny Galecki, it's not Juliette Lewis, it's not uh Anthony Michael Hall, <laughs> you know, it's I don't even remember who the European vacation kids were, but I don't even remember who the other girl was in regular vacation. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. But I really, they should, I wanted more Randy Quaid. I, they should have made this the Randy Quaid show, honestly. Which if, if we're being honest for a true nut job, November, we probably should have done him instead. Yeah. <laughs> but his nut job story is more mental illness than anything. So he's a complete psychopath now, but that's because he thinks there are quote unquote star whackers that are trying to kill him. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever seen it. And again, this is the other side of the Google coin that I'm going to give you kids. If he has a sex tape. Yes, I said it. <laughs> he has a sex tape where he wears a mask, I believe of Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> I think that's who I've, it is. I've known of this. I, I did know of the sex tape, but I have never watched it, nor will I. Yeah, it's one of those things that when it happened, I was like, no, I mean, I don't need this in my life, do I? And the, but like, I couldn't control my hand from not hitting it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my eyes are watching this, but my brain's screaming, you know? But and I'm it's basically putting myself through psychological torture for no good Right. Reason. It's like, I need this memory for some reason. I know it. But he's, he's like banging his wife or girlfriend, whatever it was, like from behind. He's wearing this like Rupert Murdoch mask that's like just like strapped to his face. It is, you don't see anything of him. Like I, you don't see his dick or anything. And you don't really see her except for that she's bent over. But it's so goddamn weird. And it's like, well, 
that's certainly something, you know, and it's, but the thing is he put it out. <laughs> it wasn't like Pam and Tommy where they were robbed or it was yeah. Paris Hilton where an ex-boyfriend got back at her or Kim Kardashian who pretty much allegedly leaked her own sex tape to be famous, you know, but it's Randy Quaid did this on purpose for like informational purposes. He wanted it to be educational, I guess. <laughs> It's like, what is the point here, man? Like, you're, you're really not getting your point across. to be showed in sex education classes. Exactly. Like, sex education and, like, political science classes. Because the whole, the whole time he's talking about the media trying to kill him, I think. <laughs> but Dana Barron is the other, uh, is the original Audrey from um, the OG vacation. But um, it's, this movie is i i don't know how to put it other than the fact that it's a cash grab and it's i guess it was a house or a car for somebody else like bev d'angelo needed i guess an addition put on her mansion or like ethan embry needed a role because he was an up-and-coming actor you know but it was like who else needed this did sid caesar want to die right after a movie he died in like, <laughs> like who, who Dude, is this it, for <laughs> this movie is perfectly summed up by a running gag in this movie that i need some damn beer or i need some damn food i need some da- the damn damn <laughs> right the damn damn yeah that, and, um, you, that running gag that gets worn out very very quickly almost immediately <laughs> like it's almost the first the line. perfect micro it's like this movie microcosmed into a section of this movie yeah and for completionist sake and so i don't know because we don't get we don't have a twitter account so we don't get tweets but the angry responses i'm going to head off um dana hill and jason lively were audrey and rusty in european vacation so in case two vacation heads were getting mad at me there you go um so vacation heads like is that a thing i'm I'm sure there are i'm sure there because there are people that will fight you about christmas vacation being the greatest christmas movie of all time and i'll be like well yeah it's funny <laughs> but i can point you at this home alone movie over here and be like hey it's no die hard <laughs> it is no die hard and it is no home alone my friend <laughs> but it's not even really a lethal weapon you know yeah. <laughs> now of course i would say it's no batman returns either but but then it's but it's like you know it's like yeah it's it's a fun christmas movie but it's it's it is better than this because at least it has like an actual story and point to it you know yeah no christmas vacation i i'm not sure anyone would argue that it wasn't a good comedic christmas movie it it is does exactly what it's trying to do be a comedic christmas movie it's dumb but it's hilarious it has got the staying power like it really does have like the legendary staying power like even the wally world like like trip of the original which the drive the Christy Brinkley is brought back in this one for some fucking reason because we needed closure on that character being a mother now. <laughs> I mean, sure, <laughs> but this this movie is kind of like you can almost see because they basically are trying to fight. Clark poses the the reason of going to be on vacation to Las Vegas, and the family collectively rolls their eyes. And it's almost like the producers in Hollywood when they got pissed, this were like, "Oh God, 
it's in his contract, isn't it? Four movies? Fuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> we might as well do a Vegas movie. <laughs> let's let's think about some better vacation spots that we can make an interesting movie. Uh, Anywhere. <laughs> Amazon rainforest vacation. The Griswolds run into some tribe there that <laughs> ends up capturing them. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust vacation. (laughs) I mean, you could do Hawaiian vacation because then you at least get the board of tourism in Hawaii, get some money. You could do like a like a Brady Bunch type of thing out there with like a cursed tiki idol or something. Like you could even do like they did Europe. You could do like Australian vacation, maybe. You know, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. We could get we could get some poisonous animals in on this. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, this was 1997, so I'm pretty sure at this point the the Simpsons had just done their Australia episode. That Australia um, episode is amazing. It's amazing, and I think the Crocodile Hunter might have been like up and coming at this point. Like we might have been looking for Steve Irwin to like be our animal guy. I don't remember when his his peak of fame was i just know he left this in the early 2000s but um 2006 i think yeah but it's like the the one thing you can look at in this movie is when you watch this one of the dealers the first i think it's the first dealer we meet in vegas is crocodile hunter it started in 1996 perfect there you go um but like the first dealer we meet in vegas in this is wendy the snapple lady i mean how much more bankrupt can you get? Like, like we need to put, you know, pop culture people in this. Who should we get? Well, who's funny and who's popular right now? I don't know, some bitch who sells Snapple. Fucking throw her in there. Who knows? Get, she probably would like a car payment, you know? <laughs> it's it's like, but why is she here? And then Wallace Shawn walks in. You're like, oh, man, you are too good for this. <laughs> yeah. You are too good for this, dude. You do not deserve this. <laughs> And even to a certain extent, when Randy Quaid shows up, you're like, oh, man, no, Cousin Eddie does not need to be in this. <laughs> we should have left Cousin Eddie in Christmas vacation. <laughs> now, it would have been a lot less watchable if Cousin Eddie wasn't in it. <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. And especially for the line of just how casually he uh, says it, too. I ain't seen a beating like that since someone stuck a banana in my pants and turned a monkey loose. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know that situation. I need to see that deleted scene of whatever that situation was. <laughs> I need to know how the hell that happened. <laughs> but God. then there is, of course, my favorite, and it's 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 still one of the greatest um, fake alias, one of the greatest aliases of movie history of Nick Papa Giorgio. <laughs> Ethan Embry is Nick Papa Giorgio. I kind of need the side movie of Nick Papa Giorgio's time in, vaca- in Vegas because he has apparently gotten around everywhere and he's become he's become like friends with literally everybody. He's got a regular table at that uh, dance club, that club that his sister's dancing at now. <laughs> he's only been there for like six hours. <laughs> like, how is this possible? <laughs> now, here's some interesting places that the Griswolds could have taken a vacation to. Kiev, Ukraine. <laughs> Yes, ninety-seven would have been the place to go. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-seven would have been the place to go. Uh, they could go to Madagascar and try to meet King Julian. There you go. Much better. Much better movie. Yeah. Um. Let's see. North Korea. <laughs> Good. The better movie. Better movie. Yeah. 
Um, Got some international intrigue. Myanmar. (laughs) I would say you might know it as Burma. (laughs) (laughs) Jay Peterman. (laughs) But then... Then there was there is, there is because I've seen this movie a few times and because it was a comedy central staple like you know it was just on Comedy Central forever. Yeah, this um, is the definition of like a Comedy Central type. <laughs> yeah, but when um when Bear, when um uh what's her name fucking Bev D'Angelo I can't think of her goddamn character's name oh I, I, Ellen when Ellen um gets all horned up after the um the Wayne Newton show and Chevy's watching like Clark's watching like the how to play backer actor roulette or whatever it is and she's like trying to seduce him and then she finally like knocks the turn the TV off knocks her and turns the lights off and you hear the the line I've never heard I've never caught before it's Chevy Chase and he goes hard six coming out <laughs> it's like oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I never caught that one before. <laughs> how did Wayne Newton become a sex symbol? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> Very great question because he's the one singing Donkey Shane in Ferris Bueller, uh, which I believe was 12 years before this. And so Ferris Bueller should have made him, you know, skyrocketed his fame because of that song. I don't know if it did. I don't follow the career of Wayne Newton. I don't really care. I just know that he's had a residency in Vegas for a very long time. And so for like, at some point, he must have been like the hottest pop star, like crooner or whatever, and just kind of rolled it into like the anti Elvis. Like he wasn't world renowned. He was Vegas renowned, you know, <laughs> like he just kind of stayed in Vegas. I don't understand because that implies that at some point he was the most pop, like one of the biggest pop stars. But when, fucking when? That's the question. It's like I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how it happened. I don't, I don't pay, I don't pay attention to music that my parents would have listened to in middle school, you know, or like high school. Like, <laughs> so, like you look at Chris Angel's arc to getting a spot like a permanent spot in vegas had a popular tv show uh tried to make magic punk and yeah was like you see how he you saw the progression of like yeah yeah i get why he's doing the whole vegas thing and also in vegas you got Siegfried and roy who are animal magic you have um david copperfield who's like serious professional magic then you have chris angel who's like bad boy professional magic you know so it's like okay the the market's there for magic (laughs) but vegas is also very much of that like sinatra is the greatest ever kind of performers like when people go to, to vegas to see these residencies they're expecting like they're the people that think frank sinatra is the greatest music uh, artist musical artist to ever have walked the earth Spoiler alert, he's not he's not he's not even in the top 300 um he's terrible let's say but those people that think he's amazing think wayne newton is amazing and they think like mel torme is amazing like i'm not saying these people aren't some level talented i'm just saying that watching them do more than one song is akin to chinese water torture you know it is like bamboo shoots up the fingernails just fucking kill me dead i don't need to hear more than one song from you people newton is very much the avatar of musicians in that 
somehow he became the most famous musician on on in Vegas, and somehow Avatar was the highest grossing film of all time. But I beg you, name me one song besides Don Shane and name me one line from Avatar. Yeah, other than unobtainium. <laughs> you can't say unobtainium. But oh god, yeah, that fucking movie, Jesus. But it's it's the same. It's like, how the fuck? Did this happen? Man, I'm just <laughs> cranking out the metaphors today. Yeah, Mike's, Mike is nailing it right now. But it's kind of it's kind of like the scene in Black Sheep when uh um Chris Farley falls down the hill and he looks back up and he just goes, What the hell was that all about? <laughs> you know? It's kind of like that. It's like, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> but the, the craziest thing is, and then of course we do have Siegfried and Roy in this because this movie, like a lot of things that take place in one certain location, is essentially just a tourism video for for Las Vegas. And this is about the time when Vegas was trying to be like the family thing because that's literally the plot point of getting them there. Because Clark says, "Hey, it's a family friendly place now." And it's like Jesus Christ. Is that a gun to your head by the Vegas Board of Tourism? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> all right, all right. So my new proposed script for this movie. We make Ocean's Eleven, and just the Griswolds get mixed up in people trying to rob a casino. That would be good. Like a slapstick, kind of like, how the hell did this happen? How did we get in this? Like Clark Griswold's part of the uh, Danny's uh, Danny Ocean's crew at some point. He for some somehow, he somehow lucks or like misfortunes his way into being the explosives guy of the crew. Right. <laughs> Or he's the one that has to like go up to the blackjack table and like lose or something like that, or he has or to hit whatever. Eddie is actually part of the crew. That's like, one of his characters. That's like one of Clooney's characters or something like that. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just crazy. But the 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 craziest thing is. Is the cut it's, between showing him just kind of hanging from the dam and then cutting two seconds later to him climbing up the top? Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's so much. There's so much in this movie. But when it comes to the real performances in this, obviously cousin Eddie, Randy Quay's cousin Eddie is great. The then there's Ethan Embry as Rusty. And his Ethan Embry's just got that like innocent like look to him that when he gets roped in all this shit it's even funnier because he he just is like a kind of like a clueless kid but one of the things that never ceases to make me like wheeze laugh basically is after he gets food poisoning at eddie's from like eating the chicken that's been cooked on a rock or whatever he just has this look on his face that he might die at any second and then when like rain like cousin eddie like goes to hug him whatever he's got this look like oh my god he's like oh he's like why are you touching me you know just if you just see that scene over and over again like if i was even Emery, i'm like this this is the highlight reel on my resume right here <laughs> another vegas movie crossover fear and loathing vegas vacation <laughs> but it would have to be um uh what's his name it'd be hunter s thompson i can't remember what the hell his name is in the movie but Johnny Depp's character with Randy. It couldn't be with Benicio Del Toro. It had to be with Randy Quaid, you know? Yeah. But it's... You find out Randy Quaid is a lawyer. Because Benicio <laughs> Del Toro in that is the lawyer. He's the lawyer, yeah. But, I mean... Which, when it comes it's to Chevy... Place to park. 
Right. When it comes to Chevy in this movie, it's you can almost tell that he's also like just fucking phoning it in because there's one scene where he turns around and it's Raul Duke is Johnny Depp's character in Fair and Loathing. But when there's one scene where Chevy Chase turns around and he's stuck in a plant, but he's not really stuck in the plant. He just like it's expected that he has to make some sort of physical comedy with this plant. So he almost kind of turns and just kind of like shuffles the leaves and then kind of turns back. And it's like, wow, we couldn't even do a second take where that's supposed to look natural. Could we, you know, it's, yeah. we, we just really half-assed it this whole time. And he's fundamentally like, I'm sure Chevy chase usually is Clark Griswoldness is fundamentally unlikable. <laughs> You just can't like him because almost immediately he's a gambling addict who loses his family's entire fortune. He loses like 23 grand in like a day and a half there <laughs> and doesn't really seem to care. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe he's got a lot more hidden away <laughs> because, maybe because he just knocked over a casino with one Daniel Ocean. I was going to say three casinos. That's what they take down three casinos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What it's the, uh, the Bellagio, the MGM, and and the other thing, yeah. <laughs> but the it's Mirage. Andy Gar- the Mirage. Mirage. It's, Andy, it's Andy Garcia's uh, hotels, but or casinos. But there is a pretty great sequence in this, and it's with Chevy and Randy, and it's when they go to the, like that shitty casino that all the games are like borderline like carnival games <laughs> where it's like guess the hand guess the number you know all that shit like that sequence is really good especially when chevy's freak out at the end when they gets to guess the hand and he guesses the wrong hand and he freaks out about the guy switching the hands and all that shit yeah <laughs> it's like it's like really really okay okay <laughs> but it's it's the kind of situation that you'd want to see in a shitty vacation flick like this. Like you'd want to see him try to somehow win his money back in this kind of place, thinking it'd be an easy mark. And it just isn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he does <clears throat> at points. He exemplifies the, I lost 300. I could win it all back on this. If I get this number on roulette. <laughs> right. And then of course, um, Ellen gives him the, um, the two dollars to play the uh i think it's what kino or whatever that sid caesar ends up dying i mean fucking the legendary sid caesar this is his last movie and i mean he was with mel brooks the show of shows and all that he was one of the greatest comedic talents of our of like of all time and his last on-screen role is this fucking movie where i'll tell you what he acts the shit out of it and he's just kind of like he gives a story that he has to be like, he just wanted some, he just, he never doesn't have a family. It's he's over here playing money, blah, blah. Then when he dies, I do like the almost deadpan exposition of who he was. Where the guy's like, yeah, he was just poor Mr. Whatever. All he wanted was someone to sit down next to him and say a few kind words. And that would have been the greatest day of his life. And it's almost like he wanted to turn and be go. And only that's then on that day, he told me that he would give his winning lottery ticket to whoever happened to do that. And um, it would surely be great if they would take that and take all that money and go live their greatest life. And it's like almost like he just keeps going with this weird exposition. (laughs) It just never stops. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been this weird, like, gag, just stretched out gag. But. And then, of course, the I won. Nice to have an interesting stretched out gag on like uh, the damn 
Right. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. And then, yeah, I won the money. I won the money, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's this, this movie is definitely the, the other side of the Chevy Chase coin where it's like, look, this is his ego. This is him half-assing it. This is him thinking he's funnier than he actually is. And it's just not working. So he is very funny. But it's just he misses the mark entirely here. Way off on this one, and because like Fletch, I feel like he could have off the cuff half of his lines in that movie, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's when the improv is seamless in that situation because yeah. it's just so good. Whereas in this, you can almost tell that it was like Chevy thought whatever line he was coming up with was going to be funnier than was actually written, and turns out both of them sucked. So yeah, but it's. Yeah, and then of course you know to to round out his his most recent fuck up, it was the show Community. Like he was on the show Community for three seasons, and then apparently happened to drop the end bomb in a walkthrough or something, but like a like a read uh, read through. But de- depending on which side of the, of the story you hear, it's either he used that as an example of he didn't want his character to be racist and to he didn't want his character was like what's next this character this guy pierce is going to say the n-word whatever like kind of like a sarcastic like hey this is shitty writing (laughs) and everyone else was kind of like chevy's a racist um he definitely didn't say it like that (laughs) so it's like oh wow uh which side do I believe? Because I can see both, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I can definitely see both. But I don't know. Yeah, because apparently but, Donald Glover really doesn't like him. Well, that's the thing. From what I've seen, the, what I took of it, Donald Glover, like, pities him. You know, he's, it's, that's almost, if anything, worse than not liking him. Because he's yeah. basically, like, the. I believe the line is that, I think Donald Glover was actually said, he's like, he's fighting time. Like he's like a true legend would know to like when to just when their time was up and to just step out of the way for like the next generation kind of thing. So it's almost as if he's like, yeah, well, he's just a sad old man who thinks he's still top, top shit, you know, and trying to take me down like to prove that. And it's just sad, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I get it. You might have hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah, but he might have been more of an asshole than you're letting on. You know, it's maybe you're taking the high road. But of course, obviously, we weren't there and there's conflicting statements about everything. But the new community movie will have nothing to do with him. So he won't even be in it because of all the bullshit that happened. And pretty much everybody on that set said he was a complete asshole anyway. So I doubt it was just this one little interaction that happened. But Anyway, he was pretty funny on Community when he was on there. He was, yeah, he was on those for the first two seasons, especially. Yeah, the first but, two um, seasons of Community. That, that's like one of my favorite sitcoms. If I'm just looking at the first two seasons. Yeah, then it gets a little odd in three, and then it just fucking falls off a cliff after that. But yeah, it's that's Chevy Chase, though. Not quite a nut job, but a definitely embattled actor and a uh, kind of. Uh, a weird Hollywood situation because yeah. his shit was so goddamn funny. And then it just wasn't, you know, after a while. And uh, we apparently, didn't bring up Funny Farm. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it's just incredibly difficult, you know. And, uh, but that's Chevy Chase. But we do have uh, another week of Not Talk November. But, Mike, before we get into that, where can people already find us? 
All right. For your streaming pleasure, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and just about anywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Happy Hour Film Podcast. And go like and subscribe to us on YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get more content going on that. We're letting the heat die down from our House of the Dragon episodes, yeah. which were blowing up the internet. Everyone fucking loved it and we we just we can't get we can't get a free moment to ourselves, you know. Yeah, I know. Like uh but, we're um, even bigger than the cast of House of the Dragon now. Yeah, it would some would say that um Patty Considine, you know, won't stop fucking texting me about it. And look, dude, you were great. You're great. I get it. And I, I, I know that we were amazing as well, but at some point you gotta go film season two, dude. You know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. It really is. But um Emma Darcy, I know you're pretty cool, but it's like, go do, go do other things. You know, you gotta, you gotta stop hitting us up. You gotta stop saying, well, why don't you guys, why don't you guys play Rainier? Like, well, we're, we're not you, you know, it's, you're better at it, but, but but we'll get to it. Maybe, maybe we'll be uh, Rainier next time, you know? And you know, Millie Alcock, uh, we're not dating, but I would like to be, you can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ma'am if you have the time <laughs> i would i would like to take you to lunch <laughs> says mike <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i just want to hang out with matt smith i just want to, i just want to talk to that guy a couple of times it'd be cool <laughs> oh yeah matt smith seems really cool you seem like a cool dude <laughs> but um anyway so speaking of not quite so cool dudes, but we're the coolest dude in the ball on the planet for a while. Uh, we do have one more, one more guy, one more true nut job to talk about for Nutjob November. And of course, it had to be the only one it could be was the legendary Mo Gibson. And the man um, might be insane, but damn it, he knows story structure. Yeah, he does. And um, we're going to talk about because I can't remember our Christmas uh, week, but I don't I can't remember if we officially talked about Lethal Weapon. I know it came up a bunch. It came up a bunch. Yeah. But we are going to officially talk about the original Lethal Weapon. And then, because we're going to be getting into Christmas and holiday times, he also did a movie called Fat Man, where he plays, yes, that's right, he plays Chris. Mm -hmm. And if it's a movie about a guy, a fat man named Chris, you could probably guess that it's a Santa Claus movie. I am genuinely intrigued by what this brings because it came out in 2020 which is very deep into the heart of mel gibson is toxic poison mel gibson <laughs> i am i i don't know what to expect but i hope it's the gr- the right side of the right yeah. side of terrible you know i want yeah, it to be bad, bad mel but gibson I, can go one of two ways <laughs> It needs to be the right kind of terrible. and But either way, we'll have the OG Lethal Weapon to talk about, which is legitimately a great movie. Yep. But um, until that time next week when we discuss Mel Gibson, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. We'll see you guys next time. So long. <laughs>